I'm Patty Blingerman, and welcome back to the ADHD Friendly Podcast. I'm a professionally certified ADHD coach, and my two main goals for recording this podcast are to share ADHD friendly research and tips and strategies, and second, to highlight and show a spotlight on different services, people, um, things that could make your life a bit more ADHD friendly. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about vacation planning. And I know it's a little late in the summer season to be broaching this topic. Full disclosure, I got completely overwhelmed. I've tried to to record this a few times, but the topic is so large and pinning down where to start felt overwhelming because I have lots of tips that have worked for me over the years. I'm going to do a future podcast on uh, how I found Disney planning, uh, both ADHD friendly and not ADHD friendly over the years. But today I'm just going to start with a basic overview to just ease into the topic. And it was inspired by an article that's in this, um, the August issue um, of Consumer Reports. So it's called Travel Made Easier. And they give lots of good tips on, you know, how to pick your destination, how to plan, um, how to account for accommodations if they're needed. Um, whether or not to use a travel agent. So really good information in there and really encourage you to check it out if you haven't, uh, if you don't receive that, maybe get it from your local library. Um, but it, it was a good article, but it got me really thinking about how, <clears throat> excuse me, those are really good tips in general. But what I know can get in the way with ADHD brain wiring are some other key factors. So I'm going to start with time and I'm going to start with a personal example. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, I'm just holding up um, a picture of an annual calendar that I used to hang on my office. This is from 2017. And I'm just highlighting a place in May where I had written vacation and I blocked it on my calendar. And this used to hang on the back of my office door in my office. And my daughter had come to have lunch with me and she saw the vacation time blocked out on the calendar. And she was really excited. She said, oh, where are we going on vacation? And I didn't know what she was talking about because I had filled out this calendar because it's an annual calendar. I, I blocked out dates back in January. And then when she showed me you know, she pointed the calendar and said, where are we going? I see you have vacation blocked on the calendar. And I just laughed. And I said, oh, no, I just have time blocked out to make sure I actually take a week off of work. But I didn't have any structure around a plan for what I would do with that time. And that was really part of a process for me in, in figuring out what would work for me to take more planned vacations. A lot of times with with for kids, what our vacations consisted of over the years were, were mostly family visits. We would, you know, plan a drive to, we didn't have any family living near us. And we would always kind of like put the kids in the van and, and drive and go visit family. And that was our vacation. And what I came to experience over the years was, well, that was really great for connecting with family members and, you know, having cousins get to know each other. It didn't recharge our batteries, like a real break like a vacation can give you, would do. So I used to look at, you know, I had friends and family members that would go on vacation every year or multiple times a year. And it just seemed a little bit like magic to me. How did they make that happen? My, my best friend every single year would go the same week to the beach and they, they rented a beach house and it was the same beach house and they would rent it every single week, week 
for every the same week every single year. And it was just when they were weekended, they would book it again the following year and it just worked. And I used to be really envious of that structure and, and how they figured something out that worked for them. But I couldn't figure out how to bring that into my life and make it work for me. So I started just by blocking time on the calendar. And even if I didn't have anything planned, I was at least taking time off of work, which I have to say, it didn't even work the first time I did it. I still didn't actually take off of work, but I was thinking about it because I planned it. And then the following year, I realized I really did want to hold structure around that. So I didn't schedule anybody and I did take the week off. And it took a couple of years before I actually started intentionally looking for ways to build in more intentionality around taking an actual break each year, even if it was a staycation, something that I was intentionally building structure around. So I just wanted to share that picture of a calendar to have you know a sense of what would you need to do to put some structure around your time. So here I'm going to just share some tips that aren't in most articles or blogs or you know information about planning how to plan for a vacation that keep that ADHD friendly lens in mind. So the first is and I know that this this word can be almost um like a like a swear word in it's you know in the ADHD community but a budget or you know a sense of how do you know you can afford the vacation that you want to take or you're planning on taking often the we get the cart before the horse so to speak where we're booking things and and planning excursions or you know booking a tour or buying air travel and we've never stepped back to really look at how do I know I can afford this? How do I know this is something that will easily fit within the money I have available for this? So I'm not paying for it on a credit card or whatever for the next couple of years, even if I had a great time, that that vacation hangover financially can really come back and eat away at the, the pleasant memories from the vacation. So the first is how do you know what you can afford? So what you're booking fits within that um, and you're you're doing it with intentionality. That again could be multiple podcasts because I know how tricky that is for us. And I have to be honest, honestly, that's not where I start from, but it is something I'm building more structure around to keep in mind for myself. Like how do I, you know, even know what I'm ceiling, you know, my limit is so that I'm trying to navigate below it. And then just, again, notice what works and what doesn't work. So where would you start if you want to include that? before you ever start planning. That's first. Second is, you know, keeping in mind sensitivities. And so my example here is for me, I'm very sensitive to heat and I'm very sensitive to crowds. So I always joke as much as I love Disney World, you can't push me through the gates of Disney World for free in the summertime. I just won't, there's no way I'm gonna go in the summertime. It's too hot, it's too crowded. I would be miserable. So that's a no-go for me, period. So if if there are certain things that would get in the way of you or a family member really enjoying the vacation in the way that you are planning the vacation, what would you do to support that with more ease? So for me, it's going off season if I'm going to Disney World um, or looking at going someplace that isn't as hot from traveling during the summer. The next is deciding the dates. And so like I shared with my annual calendar, deciding them and then putting them on the calendar. And if you're taking people outside of your household or you're meeting up with other family members or friends, how are you making sure everybody's on the same page? So 
everyone's going to be where you're planning to be at the time you're planning to be there. So you've got complete agreement. And now that I have some adult kids living in a different state than I live in, it's even thinking about like my son recently gave me dates that he wants to come visit here in Chicago. And I realized, oh, I need to check with him and see, does he have the whole day of the day he gave me to travel or does he have class? He's in college. So does he have class and he can't leave until after a certain time? So being really clear about what are the available dates and times so that when you do start booking things and planning, you're making sure it works for everyone. And, you know, I always say getting it out of your head and into a written plan so you can see it. So writing it all down and just making it easier to keep up with all the details as you start accumulating them when you're planning your vacation. The next is medication. So if you or anybody that would be accompanying you takes medication what will you need to do to make sure you have enough on hand? What happens all too often, especially if you're taking any type of stimulant medication for ADHD, is there's really strict rules on when you can refill it. And if you're outside of that window, you might need to have a conversation with your doctor beforehand to see what can be done to make sure you're going to be able to refill it or get enough so that you'll have it for your trip. And that requires advanced planning. So I always like to include that. The next is a very practical and maybe not as sparkly thing, but it could be is carry on luggage. And what I know can often trip us up is believing something is carry on luggage because it was called carry on luggage, but it doesn't meet the airline's requirement for their size restrictions for carry on luggage. And the, the amount of lost bags this summer from all of the pent up travel from the pandemic is all over the news. So there's literally thousands of bags at airports that are unclaimed that are lost and they're all checked bags. So if at all possible to not check a bag and you're taking a carry-on, make sure your carry-on meets the size requirements for the airlines that you're going to be flying on so that it's not gate checked and ending up going into the possible Bermuda triangle of luggage where it might end up lost in one of the, you know, thousands of bags piled at an airport and you may never see it again. So remember, just because it's called a carry-on bag when you're buying it doesn't mean it meets the requirements. If you search carry-on, sometimes they're 23 inches and, and most, you know, restricted to 20, 21, 22 inches. So really pay attention to what's the requirement. So your bag's more likely to not get flagged and taken away from you to be checked. And then the last is keeping up with the details of your trip. So literally all the things you're writing down, the flight information, whether it's a digital file that you're tucking everything in so it's always accessible on your phone or your device, or I'm a very old school um, physical hard copy person. So I might have a digital file, but I'm also keeping things in a physical file so I can pull it out and look at it and really get a sense of, okay, what, where was I with my packing list and what do I, where's my list of um, excursions? So my husband and I are, are, are planning a trip and, and really trying to be really intentional about what other things we want to do while we're on our trip. So keeping a list of that and keeping all of the details in one place is key. So decide where that's going to be, who's, who's the keeper of the details and make sure everybody knows where that is so that you can easily find it when you need to go back and reference it. And then I just want to ask if there's something else I forgot, some, some other really tried and true ADHD friendly tip. 
please reach out to me and share. I'd love to follow up with additional tips that others have found make a vacation a little bit more ADHD friendly. But that's all for my first introduction to vacation planning in an ADHD friendly way. Now I'd like to do a quick Expecto Patronum check-in. So I'm getting out my Expecto Patronum journal. And this is where I put in celebrations. So I'm gonna share my celebration that is going to be added to my Expecto Patronum journal. And it's a plant celebration. So I recently did a podcast where I shared um, my not so successful, um, but with some successes, Martha's month where I shared some Martha Stewart examples and a lot of hers are around gardening. Um, so my gardening examples were um, definitely less sparkly than some of the things that she updated. And, and so I shared a, a raised vegetable garden bed that my husband made me that's full of, I don't even know if they're vegetables. Um, they may be weeds growing, they're still growing, um, but not producing anything. And I I typically plant things. I have really good intentions and I don't water them. So I have an opposite celebration and it's a plant-based one. So I planted this back in May. It's just a, a garden pot that's outside in my, uh, my front garden bed. And I found just an assortment of plants in a Costco um, flower pot that was for sale back in May. It was like 20 bucks and I bought it and I brought it home and I planted it. And it is now the very end of July as I'm recording this. And it's really, really growing, thriving, beautiful. So I put a little note on there reminding me of why this feels like a celebration because I do typically not have great success when it comes to plants. So I'm putting in the before and after. And so it's it's evidence that I can um, grow things without killing them and and of how satisfying it is to see it and Every time I walk my dogs, I get to really appreciate how pretty it is and how I've succeeded in keeping it going during some hot summer months, which is typically the time I tend to lose interest and um, they don't end up faring so well. So that's all for this episode of the ADHD Friendly Podcast. Quick update. I have a goal of getting to 100 subscribers on my YouTube channel. I'm at 39. 39. I'm so grateful for each and every one of those subscribers. Thank you. If you've already subscribed, if you haven't, I invite you to subscribe. My goal is to get to hundred because at that point I get my own unique um, link for my YouTube channel that I can share with more ease. And I'm all about creating more ease in an ADHD friendly way. And remember the best time to start your personal owner's manual, your palm was when you were a kid and the second best time is now. So if you haven't done it already, I invite you to check out my website, adhdfriendly.com, where I have information on how to start yours, as well as a free mini palm to get you started. If you could use a template to just as a jumping off point to get started. And if you're a parent supporting a child to create their personal owner's manual, best time to do it is when you're a kid and you guys can even you know, create them side by side. So I invite you to start yours. That's all for now. Tally ho.